Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 The Zone. Welcome in on a Friday morning. Well, we got a big weekend of hoops to look forward to. BYU with a big game at Kansas State. We'll hear from Mark Pope in a minute. Mike Smith talking a little jazz. And we got the best of the jazz postgame show after the jazz lose at home to the Charlotte Hornets. I got to say, the rookies, the youth movement, gave them a burst in the third quarter. They took the lead. They led going to the fourth quarter. And then it all fell apart. What went wrong? Well, we'll get to that with the best of the postgame show coming up. What could go right for BYU on the road this weekend? At Kansas State, a team that's lost seven of the last eight, but the one win was over Kansas. So they're capable of winning, even though they haven't been doing much of it lately. For more on the game, let's hear Mark Pope with the media here on The Zone. In the second half of that game, I think it was right after the technical foul had been called, you had your starters kind of over yeah. by you on, on the sideline. And I was, I was reading your lips. I think you said something like, you guys talk about it, and then you walk yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a coaching staff, what does it mean to you to have a, a team and guys that you can kind of let them problem solve some of their own stuff? Yeah, uh, we, we started this um, we started this uh, this summer. And I, think, I think it was, uh, it was partly the squad. It was partly um, Cody. I think it was Cody that was really pushing this. Um, where, you know, coaches were not very smart. And so we all sit around and complain about exactly the same stuff all the time. Every coach in the world complains about the same things with their team. And a lot of times we just sit there and complain. Like, we, we complain that we don't have any leadership on our team, but what are we doing to grow leaders? Like, what, is, what, is, what exactly are you doing to grow a leader and to teach a leader and to empower a leader and to, like, instruct them what to do? And one of the things that we had been frustrated about the last couple of years was just communication on the floor. Like um, our guys just, you know, we, you know, you hear a lot of coach, coaches talk and say, if the, our guys could have their phones on the court, they would communicate way better, <laughs> right? And um, and so we're like, what, what are we doing complaining about? Let's, it should be the most important. If it's that important, it should be a really important part of practice. So you guys have seen us in practice where we'll finish a drill, the guys will huddle up, and the coaches aren't allowed to say anything. And so we started kind of doing that in the summer um, with the foreign tour and, and, our, and we have smart guys, we have high IQ guys and just them getting in the practice of them communicating. And so, uh, you know, when I actually do that in the huddle now too, when we're sitting down in a timeout, you know, two or three times, uh, those, those shades are fire, by the way. Um, the glasses are very cool, I like that. Uh, um, I'll spend time asking the guys kind of what their fo- like individually what their focus is, and then um, our guys' huddles just with the players is probably more important than our huddles with the staff because the communication is happening on the floor and their thinking is happening on the floor. And what's super interesting, and this is not what you asked, but I think it's fascinating to me, is what I've noticed as we got along. A lot of times when we'll kind of be going through instruction in a timeout. And then I'll, and it'll be in a big moment, kind of where all the stuff is happening. I'll, you know, point to one of the other, but what are you focused? What is your number one focus right now? And a lot of times you'll see your players, I just think this is fascinating, almost shake their heads visibly, where they're like, I actually don't know what else. I got so many thoughts going through my mind about the fans and what I just did and what I want to do and how it's going to be. And so them talking, is way more powerful than me talking because now they're actually instead of like just take because the input they're taking in from me is just like the input they're taking from the refs and the fans and the opponent and everything else 
and, but they kind of speak things into existence. I think that's more powerful. And so for all those reasons, it's a real gift to have a group that, that has, um, that it's been a part of their team training to um, communicate with each other because what they say is way more real than what I say to them. I, I dig it actually, and it's new for me. It's, but um, I like it and I like the feel and I like how it, our guys have, have bought into it and it's pretty cool. It's really comforting. It's comforting too. Is like we say what we have to say and then they go digest it and verbalize it how they say it and it hopefully will continue working. What is the you this team that's made them so resilient responding quickly after maybe a difficult loss and, and bouncing back in this league what's what have they done this year that's kind of caused that um i think our teams have always been pretty good at responding here i, I do um we're, you guys know we're going over this so different the last two years like we're, we're, we're managing everything so different i think that um i think that um you know, going into the season, we kind of had a very good sense of what this league was going to be and talked about in the summer the importance of us not riding too high or too low. We've talked a lot as a team, as a group, as an organization about that um, some of the, you know, maybe the biggest challenge of this league is um, being able to come fresh every day because it just wants to rip you to shreds, right? Whether it's losses or the competition level or anything, it just wants to tear you down so you can't go into the next game fresh. And these guys have really embraced that. I think they're really focused on like, hey, whatever happened on, what is today, Thursday? Whatever happened on Tuesday, it doesn't matter because the only thing that matters is us coming into this game fresh, just like on Monday, we're saying whatever happened on Saturday doesn't matter. We just, our whole focus has to be coming into this game fresh. So we put the best product we can on the floor, and I think they've embraced that. And, um, it's been fun. It's a fun group. With you guys having played Kansas State two weeks ago, basically, how does that change the your preparation, if at all, and do you expect the same sort of game? Well, it's a double-edged sword because, one, you're familiar, right? But, two, you're not familiar on the road. And so uh, the, on, the, on the sense that you're familiar is really positive because everyone's got a basic sense of some of the action and some of the cadence of the game and some of the personal strengths and weaknesses um, of the scout. But then teams tend to, you know, in this league, certainly uh, home court advantage has been so strong. So you don't want to take anything for granted either that you like, I know this guy, how he plays. Cause, because as a team, everybody in this league performs at a different level at home than they do on the road. And so you just, you, 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 we, we, it's nice because you already have a cheat sheet of education. You just don't want to rely on it too much because it'll feel different certainly there. Are you changing up the travel schedule for this Saturday, Tuesday road? So are you coming back to Salt or Provo after yeah, this one? Yeah, we're coming back. And we actually talked to the team about it originally. We had scheduled to stay out. But after um, West Virginia, Oklahoma, and then really dig into the details of this. The guys, were, guys felt like we should come. They wanted to come home. One was because of Spence's situation. Two was because the games. It's a noon game, so the guys would be home seven o'clock on Saturday night, and um, be able to you know have an evening and sleep in their own beds, and then all day Sunday and again a full night Sunday. So yeah, I think if it was a later game, I think it was a seven o'clock game, we wouldn't come home. But because it's a noon game, we're going to come. How important is this road trip? You know, 
um, going to Kansas State and then Kansas after coming off the big win against Baylor. Yeah. Um, this this you know, last road trip yeah. of the Big 12 season. Yeah, it's it's super fun, isn't it? Because as if every game couldn't have got more epic. You know, when you come down to the stretch of the season, just like every game is so massive and it's it's um, I don't know, I love it. Like, you know, we get to go play Kansas State. Which, which I talked to you guys about the first time we played him is like instilled as me as a mecca of college basketball because of my mentor coach Fox so it just has you know it just has that juice to it and then we get to go to Fog Allen and you know after playing Baylor and come on it's it's big like it's all big and it's um, that's why we're here and it's super fun is there any satisfaction for you and the guys on the team when you know, the numbers before the season, hey, BYU's going to be here, and now you guys are tied for six in the shot, even, you know, potentially how the rest of the season goes to be a top four seed in the tournament. Um, yeah, I think we're trying not to spend too much time there, uh, you know, because, you know, this league is so competitive that everything turns on a game also, right? And, um, and so, um, again, you know, one of the things I was really, really proud about in this Baylor game was, and I think we might have talked about this in, in post-game, um, was there were several incidences during the course of the game that could have got us really distracted. Uh, the technical on the bench, the flagrant foul, a couple of miscues, you know, uh, the flow, ebb and flow of the game. But I felt like um, even in points where I felt like my staff got overly emotionally invested were distracted by the emotion of the game even in those moments I felt like my guys were like dialed in it was actually really cool I was super I was super proud of that and so um, let's hope that that's a space that we're going to continue to grow in and so as big as this Kansas State game is and as big as the Kansas game is and the TCU game and um, everyone will just get bigger and bigger and bigger as big as it is. I, I hope that you know we're in a space where we're, we're like, you know, it's all that's all what it is, but the only thing that's going to affect winning and losing is we really focus on just the moment. There is BYU basketball coach Mark Pope. When we come back, we're talking jazz with Mike Smith. Stay with us. Good morning, DJ and PK, proudly presented by Murdoch Chevrolet, serving Utah since 1926. All right, Mike Smith joined us yesterday in the show. PK and I were eating some of his pizza on a golf trip uh, down to uh, down to St. George. One of his Mountain Mike's pizzas is in uh, is in Hurricane. Uh, we'll get to that a little later in the interview. But first, Mike, with uh, a little basketball info for us. What we're seeing here in Utah is the trade clearly had a the trades had a negative effect upon the team, and there was some uh, hangover effect. But then they had the nice game against the Warriors, even though they lost. And they've got some winnable games, at least record-wise, as they come out of the break. Uh, how much or what level of importance do you think you is on these next few games in terms of winning to set the tone for the tw- for the final twenty-six? Uh, PK, it's a good question. I, I, I think it's been very transparent and very clear what Ryan and Danny and Justin are aiming to do. And so if this has been, you know, talked about on your show, you know, too much, then stop me. But, like, they, they just don't want to skip steps along the way to build this into a champion. And I think Justin made it very clear. We just don't want to be good for a year or two and contend for a minute we want to be good for a while and it's really hard to do it takes luck 
it takes, you know, a lot of skill. It takes great development. And then it takes some savvy, clever moves. So it takes a lot of those things. I look back to an OKC team who rebuilt this thing or is now contending for a second time. That's really hard to do. The greatest move that Sam Presti made is not only trading for Paul George, but then re-signing Paul George. Because the re-signing of Paul George, getting him to commit to Oklahoma City, allowed him to then move him later for Shea Gilgis and like five picks, right? So those picks are now starting to yield the fruits and benefits of an OKC team, which is arguably first, second, or third best in the West. That's what the Jazz are aiming to do. Golden State also did it, uh, uh, an eight-year run where they win four titles and get a couple other trips to the finals. That's amazing. But they did it mostly through the draft, right? Got a little bit lucky with a second-round pick named Draymond Green and got a little bit, you know, Steph and Clay are like the seventh and the 11th picks, but created the best shooting backcourt in the history of the game. Okay, those weren't the first and second picks. So you can do it with mid to high first-round picks. So it takes all that. Now you still got to go do it, right? So I think what the Jazz are doing, they're identifying what we have, who are keepers, who are we building around, who are the foundational pieces of this franchise as we build this thing slowly and surely and without missing steps until we contend. And so the aim right now is to play Taylor Hendricks and to play Keontae George and to see the progress of a Walker Kessler while we already recognize the greatness of a Lowry market. And we got to find out what we have, what our next steps are. Uh, All that being said, that's why the trades were made, right? If we can accumulate a couple of assets, create opportunities for these guys to grow and play, that's what we're going to do. But given all that, PK, you're spot on, right? They've lost four in a row. They've, you know, have a great home record at 17 and 10, but have lost the last three. It's time to, it's time to really come out and play. And I think the defense really took a hit when the, those trades were made. So those last games before the deadline, you know, there were different lineups and different trust factors with guys on the court. Fontecchio, although a streaky shooter and hit and miss offensively, was a really good defender, lengthy and, and, and bothered people. And so you move a couple pieces, and there's always going to be a little bit of a downfall. So hopefully a break, some practice, some renewed energy, they come back, get after Charlotte and San Antonio before they hit those three on the road. What should Markinen be adding at this point in his career? Is he a finished product? Is there something more you want to see out of him? What could we expect over the final third of the season? You know, the, a lot of people felt like he was snubbed all-star game, right? Like he was – like he had a uh, – his numbers are fantastic, so very much like the numbers he had a year ago. So last year, 25 a game. This year, 23 and a half. The rebounds are the same. The assists are the same. The shooting percentages are scarily identical. Like, you know, almost 50% from two and 40% from three and 88%. Like, he's super efficient player. The one thing I looked at when I look at all the guys who did get an all-star pick and, and he didn't from the coaches – they all averaged four assists or more, like 3.8 or higher. And Lowry's never been like a gifted passer. Now, that's not a knock on him. It's not a bad thing. It's just kind of his DNA. I, I feel like you're either a, a, a passer who sees those angles or you aren't. You can get better within the realm, but it's, it's rare. Like a guy six years into his career has never averaged two assists. All of a sudden, hey, go be a four or five assist guy. That won't happen. 
So, like, if you were nitpicking, you'd say, okay, Lowry needs to do that. But I just don't think that's part of him, and it doesn't even matter to me. If I'm running this team, I wouldn't, you know, given, be giving Lowry instructions to become a great passer. Um, I think he's great. I, I, I don't know what he needs to work on. Maybe, maybe a little more of a post-up game. And the Jazz are starting to implement that a little bit. Like, you'll see him run this little mid- middle screen and roll where with a point guard, Lowry comes at this pick, and oftentimes he slips it and jumps to the three, and he's developed a beautiful chemistry with Keontae to just catch and shoot, and he's like number one or number two in the league in catch and shoot points per game. That's how quick he gets rid of it and how uh, much of a threat he is. But oftentimes he'll set the pick and then he'll just curl or roll, and he doesn't roll to the rim. He just rolls to the foul line. Now he's got the guard on him. They throw the ball to him. That right there... I think can become his bread and butter. Like he's seven foot tall right now. I view him as like the most unique small forward seven footer we've ever had. Like he's way different than Dirk, right? Lowry's about to hit 200 threes again for the second year in a row. Dirk never made more than 151 in one season. So when we make those comparables, everyone's like, wait, wait, you know, Dirk was a seven footer who shot. Yeah. Uh, Dirk was a power forward who could step out and shoot the occasional three. 151 is the most he made this season. Lowry made 200 last year on pace for another 200. But I would love to see him just, like, become this guy where you could, you know, get a mismatch, switch in the post, and he's got an array of post moves that all of a sudden you're like, wow, this guy is unguardable. So, for what it's worth, that's that's kind of what comes to mind. You talk about foundation pieces and how this uh, last portion of the next two months is a form of discovery, and I buy all that. With that in mind, what type of piece do they have in Sexton? He's unique, right? He's, he's different. Okay, so he's a guy who's never averaged four assists in a game. Right, his first three years in the league, he comes to the Jazz. You look at his numbers; he's a twenty-point a game career scoring average guy. I think there's only sixty-four guys in league history that have twenty points a game or higher. Now, last year he averaged fourteen three. This year he's up to seventeen eight. Right, so it, it's dropped a tick below twenty. So he is a score first, um, and a physical guard. There, there's a place for Colin. There's a place for Colin going forward on this team. He, he plays with incredible intensity and energy. It, it, it's oftentimes game-changing energy. So you could be down and he could force an eight-second call or he could, you know, get you four buckets in a row. And he, he, His energy is infectious, so I love that about him. Now, given the assist thing that I just went through with Lowry, here's a guy who has not been a natural passing point guard like uh, anybody. A Rubio, Keontae's a little bit built that way. I'm just trying to think of jazz history. Stockton, of course, the, the best of the best. But he's taken his assist from three. Now you look at his starts, which are like 29, I think, or 30. It's, it's like five. It's over five. So this is a guy who is capable of learning and adapting and adjusting. And when given the charge or being held accountable by a, a young, fiery coach, can can alter habits. I like that. 
So I, I don't think we've seen the best of him. Like, you look at his starts, it's either 29 or 30. And if it's 30, I think we're 19 and 11, something like that in his starts. But his numbers are 21 a game and five assists, and the shooting percentages are almost 50, 40, and 85. Like, that's – you'd take those numbers from any starting guard. So I like him. Um, his contract is, is not exorbitant. It's not huge. And I think it's this year and I don't know if it's two more or this year and the next year, but not even, not even suggesting that you move him. He, he could be one of your foundational pieces given his age and given his ability to adapt, learn, and grow. So what you're saying on marketing's passing is he's no Ali Khalifa? <laughs> yeah, that guy was pretty good on Saturday. Tuesday. Uh, or Tuesday night, sorry, against <laughs> Baylor, right? Made three threes in a row. And he just, uh, yeah, I give him a lot of credit. And what I really like is Mark Pope's system, the, the intricacy of these cuts and these moves. Had Baylor so, so perplexed in the second half. They're getting layups in the half court because all this movement and backdoors and circular cuts. I, I took, I coached these little sixth graders and then I coached ninth graders. So I got three teams. And I've taken two of the plays. Like this, like cut off a clip off of YouTube and said, "Okay, I'm going to give that to my guys." And anyway, it's 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 some really cool stuff. And BYU has been surprising, at least in the Big Twelve, right? Like, I don't know that we thought that. I thought maybe nine and nine would be their best. They got a chance to do better than that. Given the last couple of years in the WCC, there was really no way to predict they would do this in the Mountain West. But, or excuse me, in the. Uh... Big 12. I'm going backwards. Yeah. Uh, there's no reason to think they do it in the Big 12, and yet here they are. And uh, there have been a lot of good tests, and they've passed a bunch of them. So, well, you know Mike, what's great is they, wanna... they don't have they don't have like an amazing player. Like that that maybe is the greatest part of this this story this year. I know 12 and one before they get to the season, and but you look at them and you say there's not one guy who's great. Right? They're all good, and they all defend, they all pass, they all shoot. It's really a, the beauty of teamwork. Well, Mike, we will continue to eat your pizza. I watch you on TV. I don't think you're eating your pizza. You're staying skinny. What are you doing? You're clearly passing on the pizza I was throwing down. There's a reason I'm not a skinny guy, and it's all that pizza. Oh, gosh. I don't know. I, 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 drink, uh, I drink a product called Cardio Miracle which improves every bodily function. I think that's one thing. I, I, I drink that at night instead of, like, munching on ice cream. And then and what really helps me, because I'm almost 60, that's no fun, but I'm almost 60, and I still want to compete at golf at a high level. And But I go see a guy named Craig Bueller. He's the guy that kept Stockton and Hornacek and Malone healthy all those years. And his Bueller Athletic is all about muscle activation. So... All of us in our age range, DJ, I know PK loves to golf. I love to golf and stay active and play pickleball. If you're not seeing somebody regularly who can just fine-tune whatever muscles aren't firing that particular week, you could get a little off. And a little off becomes way off in a month. And then, like, in two months, the body is so smart. You got other muscles compensating to do the jobs they're not supposed to do. And then you get a little, I don't know, you just get a little ski wampus. And so I go see him. He keeps me, he keeps me going great. 
that's about it. That's all I do. I don't I don't have any bad habits, so there. Ski Wampus, is that S K I W or is that S K E E W? I was uh, got to look that up during the break. That gave me something to do. All right, thank you. Idea. Thank you, Mike. We appreciate it. Okay, boys. Have a great one. There is Mike Smith, DJ and PK. We're brought to you in part by Teton Wealth. Ethan Miller with Teton Wealth will be live in studio with Hans and Scotty G Monday to help you with your retirement plan. Tune in or visit retireteton.com. When we come back, the best of the jazz post game shows. Stay with us. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 The Zone. The Utah Jazz lose their fifth straight game, beaten at home by the Charlotte Hornets, who just won their fourth straight game. Two teams going opposite directions after making deals at the trade deadlines. What went wrong? Well, let's get to the best of the Jazz postgame show. Sure, Jazz recap here on DJ and PK 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. Jazz had a tough loss last night to the Hornets. 115 to 107. The Jazz got 21 from Lowry Markinen to lead the way. Uh, 17 from Colin Sexton. 16 from Keontae George. Taylor Hendricks got the start last night. He had 12 points to go along with nine rebounds. Got all 12 points of those in the third quarter. But the Jazz come up a little short. Let's get to the postgame sound and start things off with Jazz head coach Will Hardy. Um, I think the thing I'm happiest with is the defense in general like we came into the game we're going into this last segment of the season um, and we're trying to do a better job as a team guarding the ball um, and protecting the rim and they had 34 points in the paint which um, is a really good effort uh, especially considering you know the areas that that weren't good like the biggest one for us is the turnovers 19 turnovers it's a hard game to win they get 28 points off those turnovers I would imagine that of their 24 fast break points let's just be generous and say eight to ten of those are because of turnovers Um, some of those are at the rim and so for a team to score 115 points making 23s I feel good about the mindset on the defensive end offensively we've got to continue to fine-tune the spacing um, you know, 19 turnovers. Some of those are unfortunate. Some of them are just careless. And we've got to do a better job valuing the ball. When you have a night of 19 turnovers and you compound that with it being a night that we really struggled shooting the ball from three, it's a hard game to win. And all those things, you know, combined, we're still right there with a couple minutes left in the game. Um, you know, there's there's definitely positive things to draw on, especially on the defensive end that we got to continue to build um, moving into the next game against the Spurs. But, you know, our, our focus in terms of things we got to fine tune will be the offensive side of the ball with the spacing and some of our decision making. What did you think of um, Taylor's first start and, you know, just the, the totality of rookies in general? Um, I thought Taylor in his first start um, was about what I would have expected. I think he had some good moments of energy. I thought in the second half, he really kind of got himself into the game by getting on the offensive glass, got a couple of tip-ins, got a couple of loose balls. Um, You know, I think there's also moments where Taylor recognizes there's still a lot to learn. you know, we put him on Brandon Miller to start the game, and Brandon Miller's a good offensive player. And, um, you know, early in the game, he's a little bit off his body, off the ball, um, which led to Brandon getting a couple of good looks. I think, 
you know, all in all, I would I would say it was a, a positive step for Taylor. Um, but there's definitely a lot of, you know, technique things that he can continue to clean up. Um, you know, the margins are really small in this league, especially when you're on the defensive side of the ball. There's a lot of elite shot makers. Um, and so I think there's some technique things, especially in pick and roll defense that Taylor can clean up. Um, but I thought that his energy and the way that, you know, he struggled a little bit on the offensive end. Um, but I thought that the way that he attacked the glass kind of ended up helping him get into the flow of the game. Um, so there's a lot for him to build on going into into Sunday's game. What went into the decision to start him? Um, I, I think it's it's a good opportunity for Taylor to to take on you know the responsibilities on the defensive end. I think there's there's nothing like being thrown into the fire and guarding some of the top players. Um, I also think having him play with guys like Lowry and Keontae um, gives him an opportunity to to play off the ball and play off some of our better players, um, which hopefully will help him settle in a little bit on the offensive end. On, on some of the possessions you mentioned where uh, you thought the turnovers were careless, do you feel like you guys got sped up a little bit and tried to rush things on those possessions? Or? Um, I mean, I think it's a variety. I think sometimes sometimes we can get a little sped up. I think any team can. I think there's also moments where we're probably trying to hit a home run. Um, you know, like Colin does so many good things for us, and his decision-making has improved a lot. I know he wants that one back that he threw over the top to John in transition there in the fourth quarter. Like, I understand his intent. His intent was to pass. He's trying to get John a layup, but in that moment of the game, I think it was just, it, it wasn't the time to, to go for that play. Um, it would have been a spectacular pass to get it there. And so I think Colin's not the only one. That one's just recent in my mind, but there's moments where we're just, we're trying to make something uh, out of nothing a little bit too much. We need to just kind of keep the ball working um, and take what's in front of us. Have you seen growth on the non-scoring aspect of Bryce's game? Um, yeah, I mean, he's been working really hard at practice. Um, you know, there's things defensively from a technique standpoint that just like Taylor, he's got to really improve. Um, being a perimeter defender in this league is hard. And guarding pick and roll is really hard. And having the proper technique gives you a chance. And He's been working really hard at it. Um, he's very coachable. He's very receptive to to all the things that we're telling him. But when you get out there on the court and it's all happening fast, um, you know, sometimes those things aren't habits yet. So um, I think on the defensive side of the ball, I still see a ton of room for improvement. Um, and then the second piece of that is going to be rebounding. Like, can you dig out a few loose balls for us, especially around that free throw line area? It's something we've talked about all year with the amount of threes that are shot now. Guards can have a massive impact on the glass just hunting down basically what ends up being loose balls um, around the free throw line, and I think Bryce can continue to improve. We've talked about kind of the strategy of what you you have to choose things to give up, right? And you mm -hmm. gave up the, give up the three-point shot generally above the break. Night when they're making a ton of them like they did early and kind of throughout. 
did you feel like you you liked the way the team was defending the three ball in general, or you know, is it a, a and a, they just making those shots more than you would expect, or? Kind of how do you evaluate that in, in, in this context? Yeah, I thought early in the game, um, there were a couple for sure that were just tough shots. Like Trey Mann makes a couple step backs, and Trey Mann's a really good shooter. Um, I think some of the, the pick and pop ones with Grant Williams, I thought our closeouts weren't as urgent as they could have been. I think there's opportunities for secondary defenders to give little stunts. Um, again, those things need to continue to be drilled and become better, you know, habitually. But, um, you know, for me, it's you're, you're just kind of reading the flow of the game. And to me, the, the way that it was going and the pace of their scoring, I still felt like we really had a good chance to win the game if we could make a few shots and take care of the ball. Um, and sitting here right now, like, I still feel the same way. It, you know, credit to them. They made 20 of them. But... I think we've we have enough of a sample size now where we've seen games where we overreact to threes and we end up giving up everything. Um, you know the games that we've tried to run people off the three point line. It's not like we've taken those away. Also, we end up just putting ourselves in really big rotations, and um, sometimes it exposes you know our our size at the rim. Um, you know, we put Walker in tough spots when he's out there and he's the only rim protector. So I think the way we played tonight, I feel like gives our team the best chance to, to protect the basket. Okay. Speaking of Walker, he's probably disappointed not to be in the starting lineup anymore, but I you know, haven't talked to him yet. But what are you telling him as kind of that change is made and kind of, you know, when he has a tough game like this, what, what's your message for this, to him? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not – I don't overreact to one game. Um Walker's a good player. He knows that I believe in him. He knows that we believe in him. Um, I would anticipate, as our season has indicated, that our lineups are going to continue to change. Um, Walker's not banished to the bench forever. We've just got to, again, try to put groups together that make sense and try to give the team an opportunity to play well over the course of 48 minutes. Um, and, yeah, he had a tough game tonight, but... He's not the only person on the team that had a tough game tonight. So to me, it's I'm going to approach Walker tomorrow like it's another day. It's back to work. That is Jazz head coach Will Hardy. Now let's start to hear from all three rookies, starting off with Taylor Hendricks. I mean, I feel like it was more of us. Like, I feel like we played really good defense. Um, coach is talking about it a lot. Like, you know, there's a lot of things we could take from this game that we did well. It was just, you know. From the outside, we just couldn't knock it down, and I feel like that was a little bit of a difference maker. You get your first start. What was that like, and how did that process go? Uh, definitely a blessing. You know, um, we were going through the scout this morning. You know, that's when I found out. So, you know, in my head, like, first thing I did was thank God. But reality, like, I've been blessed through, like, the whole process, you know, being able to be a number nine pick, um, playing in the G League. Um, it's all a blessing at the end of the day. How, how, how did Will tell you during scout? Uh, he didn't really tell me. He just showed up on the board, like, the matchups. So. so what's going on in your mind during that process? I'm like, yo, is that my face? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How, how do you think you did tonight? Uh, I think I did all right. Um, you know, just continuing to try to get better defensively. You know, I'm, I'm putting in a lot of work, like, you know, extra hours, just watching extra film, just trying to be an elite defender. And, um, you know, just continuing to make strides in that. What was working in the third quarter? Um, I feel like we were 
just our defense, really. You know, um, uh, I feel like part of the reason why, um, you know, they kind of came back was our turnovers. You know, we had a lot of turnovers, and it's tough to win a game when you have you know, 19 turnovers or however many we had. What worked for you in the third quarter? Uh, just trying to get myself going, um, crashing the glass. I'm trying to get rebounds and give our team extra possessions. Did anyone say anything to you coming out of the locker room about changing your game plan instead of shooting threes, crashing the offensive glass, or did you just do that on your own? Uh, I mean, that's really what they've been drilling, you know, just fly around, you know, do everything I can to help the team and, you know, just get my shots in my spots and, you know, crash the glass. So. There's Taylor Hendricks, 12.9 boards in the start in 26 minutes. Let's now move on to Keontae George. Well, Key, what was it like just to get some run with Taylor and Bryce tonight? I mean, it was fun. Uh, didn't get to play with him in summer league, but, um, you know, T was fortunate enough to make his way into the starting lineup. Uh, Bryce played his way into some big minutes. Uh, so um, it's a lot different when you're not playing um, in whatever they call it, garbage minutes. So, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, just trying to uh, continue to instill the confidence in them. Uh, I mean, I felt like yesterday that I was just playing my first NBA game, uh, real minutes. Um, so, like you said, I'm sure you said it, everybody's story is different. So, he waited his turn, made his way into the starting lineup. Now it's all about how can we play off each other um, while still having the guys in rhythm that we need in rhythm. So, um, I mean, it's going to be cool. Uh, I'm excited. Um, you know, the flashes that we have, um, you know, once we get those consistent, I think it's real scary. What flashes are you talking about? Though? I mean, just him staying in front of the ball, making the play on the ball, but a rim, um, blocking shots. And, uh, I mean, knocking down open shots. Uh, I mean, just kind of doing what we need him to do, come in there, be a defensive menace. And like I said, knock down open shots. And then, um, you know, he got game. So everything else will come into play, one dribble pull-ups, um, he was being active on the rim, offensive rebound, defensive rebounding. He was talking. Um, I mean, if he's active, um, I feel like our team goes to a whole other level. So we just got to continue to um, instill that in his mind that, you know, when you're active, when your motor's going, uh, you know, the team will elevate. How do you guys, you know, as as a trio, just embrace this as, as the next part of the process for you guys as rookies? Yeah, man. Uh, you know, in my mind right now, I mean, adversity is real fun. Uh, that's what we're going through right now. Um, I mean, another bump in the road, but for, for us three, um, the main thing is not riding that wave. Um, you know, not getting too high, not getting too low. Um, shots are going shots are going to fall, shots are not going to fall. Um, you know, it's just about finding ways to get better. Um, I know it sounds cliche, but uh, I think with Bryson Taylor, spend time in the G League, um, got some run, got the confidence, got the rhythm. And then it's all about how can you translate that um, into the, you know, NBA. So, I mean, we all got to, us three, we got to stay together. We got to, you know, be close to one another. Um, you know, for me, I feel like not in such a sense of, you know, um, I'm the leader when it comes to all, all of us three, but, um, you know, of course, I mean, have, you know, more experience than both of them. So. It's just, you know, it's all about, it's a process. I'm using my voice with both of them. Um, you know, I'm telling them, um, you know, you know, don't pass up shots. You out there for a reason, um, you know, for both of them. So um, it's just little things, man. Just continue to talk to them, continue to, um, it's, it's all positive, never negative. So um, continue to just doing that. And then, um, you know, the sky's the limit for all of us. We know that Will's not interested in giving out free minutes. And you say, 
Bryce playing himself into some big minutes. What have you guys seen behind the scenes the last few weeks with him practicing with you guys that we haven't seen? Yeah, he's been showing up. Uh, all the little things, on time, getting his left and in, getting his extra work in. I mean, I'm pulling him to the side. I'm telling him, come shoot with me. I'm telling Taylor, come shoot with me in the morning. Uh, so, I mean, he's just been doing, like I said, it's, it's just all the little things. Um, you do all the little things, I mean, everybody's going to see it. So it's just a matter of when your opportunity will come. If you continue to stack days and continue to, um, you know, build habits. Um, I mean, like I said, I went into the weight room today. I mean, we lost, but, you know, this is where habits come to play. Stick with your lift in, stick with your work in. Um, you know, still, you know, I mean, we in the NBA, keep a smile on your face. We're going to figure it out. Um, so, I mean, the habits is taking over with both of them. They understand that it's every day, every day. It's, our, it's I mean, it's a job, but, I mean, we don't try to look at it like, like a job, but it is at the same time. So it's just got to come in, um, you know, got to gotta, gotta be in the moment, got to got this saying, perception is reality. Um, so that's for anything in life, you know, just like for y'all, people see y'all, you know, like a days ago, not putting stuff out. Um, at some point, you know, people gonna start talking about y'all. So, same thing with us. We gotta continue to put work in. Let them know that we in here. We in the gym. We in the facility. Um, we doing everything that we need to do to, you know, at some point, you got you gonna have to give us opportunities. So that's what them two are going through right now. Will said he wanted you to use these 25 or so final games to improve on using your voice. Um, what does that mean, and how do you do that? Uh, it's been a. Um, it's been the same thing that he's been harping on me since the beginning of the season. I mean, um, it's like, it's, I mean, being a 20-year-old kid almost, like, it's hard to talk to, you know, 29, 30, 26. I mean, they got way more experience than me, so it's kind of like in the back of your head, you're kind of thinking, you know, uh, maybe the things I'm saying, uh, they've already heard, they already know. Um, so uh, that's, that's just the main thing in my mind, just how can I, you know, Whatever I'm saying, how can it be effective and kind of get right to the point? And I think that's going to be the, the main thing in my development this this uh, last 25 games. Uh, you know, just continuing to, uh, I mean, voice my knowledge with the game, um, voice what I'm seeing. You know, when he, you know, walks away and they do the little huddle during our timeouts, you know, that's the time where I can, you know, use my voice and get in front of the team. You know, hey, everybody get close. Because um, at the end of the day, um, it's us out there. Like, you know, the fans can't play play for us. Coaches can't play for us. It's, you know, it's all about us at the end of the day. Um, so, I mean, I like to say we playing for something bigger than ourselves. This is a team sport. So, I mean, I got to get all four guys on the same page. So, when we go out there, we understand what we're doing. We understand spacing. We understand the defensive coverage is what we're in. So, um, you know, once that's the base of it. Once we get, once we get the base out, um, I mean, like I said, man, the sky's the limit. Keep taking steps. Um, like I said, everything will fall into place. There is Keontae George. Let's now finish things up with uh, fellow rookie Bryce Sensabaugh. Take away the paint. I think they only had 30 points in the paint or something like that. So we did a good job. They were just hot. They shot like 55 from three. So, um, yeah, I think uh, just us making shots, making it easy for ourselves on the offensive end. Um, but I don't think it was a bad game at all, though. Extended minutes for you. How did it feel out there? Uh, it felt good to finally play, um, get some run with my guys. Uh, but, you know, um, I'm just trying to do anything I can for real. Uh, play hard, uh, work on the defensive end, get steals, get deflections, whatever it may be. Um, so, just play simple. Have you gotten feedback yet from Will on the game, one-on-one? -on -one? 
Uh, nah, we we uh, had a little post game meeting as a team, but um, nothing. Yet. We, you were talking about how you wanted to show people that you could defend at this level and that that shouldn't be a part of your game that's like looked down upon. Yeah. How do you feel like you've grown kind of in that aspect just over the last few months and what you were able to show tonight? Um, I think. Uh, you know, obviously with, with narratives and stuff like that, you can't really control it unless um, you come out and show it. So um, I think I'm just trying my best to do that. And, uh, you know, despite what the outside world has to say, I'm just playing my hardest to, to win games and trying to make an impact. So um, that's really what, I, uh, what I've been doing, watching film, uh, you know, going 100% in practice. So, you know, when the game comes, it'll translate. That is Bryce. Sense about the Jazz come up short. They lose to the Hornets 115-107. to Next up, the Jazz will take on San Antonio at Delta Center on Sunday. Tip-off will be at 6 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 5. There's the best of that Jazz postgame show. When we come back, what is trending? The headlines are next.